Welcome to the latest episode of the Informing Choices mini-pod. Six futurist friends of the podcast are joining me in this New Year mini-series on the Informing Choices mini-pod. We're exploring which technologies, ideas and developments that may emerge in 2023 will ultimately have proven to be significant when we look back from 2033. In this, the third episode of the New Year mini-series, we'll explore how a number of different trends combine to impact one aspect of the future of work, in particular for an ageing workforce. The confluence of trends such as demographic shifts, automation technologies such as AI and machine learning, together with developments in reducing age-related cognitive impairments, are likely to have a dramatic effect on future workplaces. To explore these factors, I'm joined by Strategic Foresight Advisor and Organisational Change Management and Communications Consultant, Rob Caldera. Rob, welcome back to the podcast. Talk us through your perspectives here. What could we be looking back on in 2033 that was significant in 2023? Sure. Well, thank you, Steve, and thank you for having me back again on the podcast. Great to be here. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, I want to talk about the convergence of a few key developments in medicine, particularly around cognitive impairments, and, and two very different trends, as you've mentioned, that I see all impacting the future of work and, and even much more. So first, um, that first key development around medicine. So in recent years, I've been following developments in Alzheimer's and dementia research ever since my mother was diagnosed. And, you know, it's a brutal disease that no family should have to deal with, so... That's why I've gotten more interested in this um, in this field. So there have been some promising developments lately, both in early detection and treatment. So for example, uh, a blood test was developed uh, this year at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis that has been proven highly accurate, up to 93% in detecting early signs of Alzheimer's disease. There have also been other developments in early detection ranging from digital cognitive tests to uh, like brain imaging and brain electrical activity detection advancements that are also promising and will probably become a factor in this field in the next decade. But it's really the blood test that sort of piqued mm -hmm. my interest given the, you know, the 93% uh, accuracy that, it, that it's showing. So that's, that's early detection. Now with respect to treatment, I've been following the work of the Cure Alzheimer's Fund, uh, a very worthy charity, by the way, and particularly the work of Dr. Rudy Tanzi, who is pretty well known in, in this field. So they've developed what they call Alzheimer's in a dish. Uh, it's literally neurons grown from stem cells in a Petri dish, which they can recreate in 30 days what takes 30 years to develop in a person's mind, Alzheimer's conditions. And then using this, they can do rapid drug testing up to 100 times faster than, than typically to see what kind of drugs or supplements can prevent or cure the disease. So that will obviously speed up the development of any potential uh, drugs in this, in this area. At the same time, uh, they've also come up with a drug that seems or they believe will reverse the effects of early onset familiar Alzheimer's mutations. Now that's a specific type of Alzheimer's that is diagnosed in people under 60, sometimes as young as 45, wow. uh, people for whom it runs in the family that we they know there's a connection. And this drug is going into clinical trials next year. 
right? So that's pretty soon that we'll find out how effective this possibly could be for reversing the effects. I mean, if it's safe and it gets approved, they say that taking that drug would be the equivalent of taking statins to reduce cholesterol and keep that in check, but for your brain instead of your heart. Now, you know, the caveat is this is uh, designed for early onset Alzheimer's, which is much rarer than typical Alzheimer's. Um, so you're talking about a smaller patient population. But I think you can see that it's not a stretch by any means to make the leap then in 10 years from that breakthrough to much broader Alzheimer's treatments, mm -hmm. uh, as well as even treatments for general cognitive decline that occurs naturally in all people starting from over 50, since all these share sort of similar traits of what's happening in, in, in your brain. So to me, I mean, this is, this is amazing. I mean, can you imagine potentially ending Alzheimer's and dementia disease in the next decade? I mean, I think it will happen. I mean, reversing the effects of those who've had it for years and who are much older, maybe further out if possible at all. But I mean, I still can imagine one day, you imagine all these Alzheimer's patients returning to normal going through some sort of rehabilitation process. It would be like a great awakening of all these people coming back, you know, having seen what it's like now firsthand through my mother, um, it's, you know, it's promising to hear that this kind of research is happening and, you know, possibly in our lifetime seeing, seeing this development. That's that's absolutely extraordinary. The thing that really struck me then is the uh, is the potential for some of these developments to lead to this great awakening, um, uh, which I think a really brilliant way to put it. The other thing that strikes me about this is the potential for treatments for Alzheimer's to improve the cognitive function in healthy people as well. So do you see at some point in the future, there being a market and a, a legal market for <laughs> these kind of treatments to be used in a whole range of different settings. I mean, we know, for example, that similar drugs in the past, earlier iterations have been used by the military, for example. So, you know, is, is this something that you see as, as plausible in the future as well? I, I think so. I think it's a little trickier because the, um, I mean, the causes of general cognitive impairment in, in people who don't have Alzheimer's are, are much broader, right? Many yeah. different things affect people's yeah. health and their, their state of mind as they get older. Um, you know, even uh, heart and blood issues can, obviously can affect your mind. So it's, it's, it's a broader set of treatments and medicine need to be looked into in order to uh, affect that. However, as I mentioned, and, you know, don't ask me to give you the technical medical <laughs> details, <laughs> but I know there are there are, there are similar traits and things uh, related to these developments that also can improve the mind in general. So uh, that's how I see extrapolating out that yes, I think there will be you know whether it's ten years or not, that's hard to say. But um, given how quick some of these advancements are happening, it's very possible. I think you could see treatments like that, you know, uh, pills and other things that could you know <laughs> prevent. Uh, senior moments <laughs> from happening, you know. They, they can't come quick enough. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> yes, as we pass 50, these definitely seem to happen more and more. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you also spoke a bit more, uh, spoke a bit about um, some of these other trends, so things like demographics and uh, the evolution of uh, automation technologies, artificial intelligence and machine learning. How do you see those fitting in? Because I'm really curious about these connections. Sure, so... Uh, you know, I was focusing first on the Alzheimer's stuff, and, and that got me thinking, as 
I guess kind of we do in this foresight futurist stuff is, is connections to other areas. Mm. And I think I happened to come across, I was reading something else and came across some demographic trends that sort of helped link this in my mind. So I saw that this was a recent UN report that by 2030, around 65 countries will have a median age above 35. And in 25 of those countries, half the population will be over 45, all due to the falling fertility rates that I think we've all read so much about. Um, so there'll be a lot less new entrants into the workforce. And the reason why I mentioned workforce is because these trends I'm about to mention all uh, relate to the future of work. So it's a pretty big left turn from what we were just talking about. Uh, the very last of the baby boomers will have passed the, uh, the current typical retirement age by 2030, right? So then after them is Gen Generation X, my, my generation. And there's a big drop off in terms of numbers between Gen X and baby boomers. So there will seemingly be a gap at the senior level too, in terms of number of people. Now, if you factor in the previous discussion, if no advancements happen, if none of the things happen that we just talked about, right? As of today, at least one in nine people over 65, at least from statistics in the United States, will have Alzheimer's. And then that goes up to one in seven over 71, people over the age of 71. And worldwide, it's expected that by 2030, 78 million people will have, will have dementia or Alzheimer's, while the rest of the older workforce will have general cognitive decline that we just discussed that comes with uh, comes with age, more of those, those senior moments. <laughs> so it's a pretty dismal picture of the workforce <laughs> at both ends of the spectrum if nothing changes, right? But of course it will. I mean, that's what we're here to speculate about. So let's flip the script for a moment based on the trends we know, right? So more people in general are working um, past the age of 65 these days, and that will probably just continue as well. And you may still have a fair amount of boomers in the workforce in 2030 because of that as well. So us poor generation Xers will still be waiting a long time to take over <laughs> the reins. <laughs> long live just the boomers. Yeah, just can't catch a break, right? <laughs> so if Alzheimer's becomes preventable and treatable by 2030, along with other expected advances in medicines to improve uh, cognitive decline, you'll have a lot more old people able to stay in the workforce and function at a very capable level in 2030, right? And that doesn't even factor in like life extension technologies, like medicines and supplements, which by then based on other trends will probably also play a factor here, right? So you've got, you've got that aspect. Now let's look at one other trend that you mentioned before, AI and automation, uh, like machine learning, right? Advances in that area will probably help make up for the lack of younger workers in the workforce that I mentioned more so than older workers, at least in desk jobs, because those entry-level jobs are the types of the ones that are easier for AI to replicate. Now you might be thinking with the advances expected in AI, even the jobs at the senior level will be in jeopardy, especially since their skills will be outdated, right? However, they are the ones that probably won't let themselves be replaced by AI because they're the ones in power, right? <laughs> they won't be, <laughs> right? But they won't be able to ignore it completely either. And I think they could use it to their advantage. So we'll see older workers who already now, as I mentioned before, will be more capable because they'd be cognitively better. They'll be using AI aug augmentation to make up for their lack of modern skills. 
as opposed to being replaced by AI. And then, so this could take the form of using like more intelligent AI assistants, you know, computer bots, augmented in virtual reality to help them uh, visualize things and be more creative, cognitive enhancement technologies or supplements to improve the, uh, how they do analyses and decision-making. So, so in the end, if all these trends converge, you'll have a workforce in 2030 with possibly five different generations in it, from boomers to the current generation alpha. I mean, the implications of which I think are a whole nother discussion, a whole yes. nother podcast, right? But what struck me in thinking about this is that you'll have older people in the workforce whose value will actually increase, which is something we don't see much these days, right? Because with age comes wisdom. But taking advantage of that wisdom in business is rare today due to retirements, as well as the general cognitive decline we mentioned, and as well as people who may have early dementia that goes unnoticed, right, and undiagnosed for a long time. I mean, it could literally start three decades prior, they say, and that could be, you know, impacting their ability to produce at work like they, like they used to. So... To wrap it up, I mean, what I'm saying, Steve, uh, and to the graying crowd that's listening, we're just getting started. I mean, our best work is yet to come due to these developments and trends that I mentioned, you know, hooray for the older people. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what, what? What's really interesting is that that point, one of the points that you made late on there, uh, I think, was about the experience and the experience that these old workers evolve. And I'd about 15 seconds before you said that, I'd written down creativity, experience, relationships, change and change leadership and sense making. And these feel like the kind of skills that the older workers will have and skills that will continue to be the preserve of humans rather than automated by machines. So I think that kind of adds weight to your ideas there about the growing importance of older members of the working population even in a world that's characterized by increasing automation. Exactly. And it's perfect with those, those skills, those things you just mentioned, right? Those are the things that uh, they say AI, you know, can't do uh, that easily right now. And, you know, eventually, who knows when we're talking about the AI probably will be able to do some of those things, but it's not happening that fast. And those things are still very important in terms of uh, having humans in the workforce and who better at those things than people who have experience at doing them, right? And have that wisdom that that I mentioned. Uh, you know, learning leadership traits is not something that comes easily to young people. You have to have lived experience to get there. And now if you can have people with that type of experience and wisdom who are actually more capable and not becoming old fuddy-duddies, yeah. <laughs> then they can be much more productive in the workforce. And, and who knows what kind of future work picture than you're talking about when you have all these different generations working together and now people at the end that aren't looking to just sort of go out the door and out on their way out and are considered, you know, just uh, not with it anymore. Want older people that could stay with the times and can work at a high level and working with the younger people too. You can have, you'll have a really interesting mix um, that I think will just completely reshape the, the picture of work in the future. Uh, and, and of course, and that doesn't, that's without even going into all the other future work trends that are out there. Rob, that's absolutely fantastic. I really love the kind of the very positive vibe that we have with this future and this uh, this, this idea that, you know, it's us older fuddy duddies um, <laughs> uh, get to work with these young, cool kids as well. Um, Rob, that's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for your for your insight. 
And thank you, everyone, for listening. Do let your friends and colleagues know about the Informing Choices mini pod, and there'll be another episode along really soon. Thank you, Steve.